Welcome to PeopleTech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer. Today, an Encore presentation. I'm talking with Steve Rothberg, the founder and chief visionary officer of collegerecruiter.com. They help employers of all stripes hire students and recent graduates for part-time, seasonal, and entry-level jobs and internships. We'll talk about how recruiting's changed in recent years, and we'll look at some dynamics of the workforce on this edition of PeopleTech. Hi, Steve. Let's start with, as a foundation, sort of, tell me about College Recruiter. What, what does it do? Who does it do it for? Yeah. So, you know, at a very high level, College Recruiter believes that every student and recent graduate deserves a great career. Um, Our customers are primarily Fortune 1000 companies, government agencies, and other employers who are hiring at scale. And when we talk about scale, we're talking about dozens or um, even hundreds into the same or similar roles. Um, They advertise with us their part-time, seasonal, internship, and entry-level jobs. So we're a job search site. Think a site like Indeed, but specifically for the student and recent graduate niche. And um, you changed your business model. First, can you tell me when you did it? But also, what did you do? Yeah, so back in, in 2016, which it's hard to kind of get this through my mind, but that's six years ago now, Um, we started to have a very small number, but rapidly growing um, number of our customers or employer customers who basically were saying things to us like, hey, we're buying this unlimited job posting package from you um, on an annual basis. And it's $12,500. We're happy with the candidates that we're getting from College Recruiter, but we just wish we would get more of them. Um, Can we pay you more money? Literally, a couple of them said. Um, If in in return, you can give us, you know, three, four, five times the number of candidates. Um, Years before, I had been to a presentation by a guy named Guy Kawasaki, and Guy was the Apple evangelist. I think it was literally his job title. And In his presentation, he was talking about one of the investments that he had made in in some startup company that the way he described it, the the founders refused to sell their product to customers who would not, unless those customers agreed to use the product, how it was intended to be used. So, you know, if you've got a screwdriver, you cannot use that for anything other than, you know, screwing it, you know, screwing things in. And he, he just kind of had it out with them after a while. It's like, you know, if a customer is looking to give you money, you as a business owner should try to find a way of making that easy. Um, so in 2016, when we started to have some of these customers saying, can you send three, four, five times as many candidates to us and we're willing to pay more for that, we needed to figure out a way of making that happen. And what we did is we looked around at other organizations in our industry and some outside of our industry who were doing that already. And one of them was was Indeed, and there were some other pay-per-click job search sites. And basically, what they had figured out 
was that if they charged their customers, the employers, on a duration basis, a traditional duration basis, you know, X dollars for Y postings or Y dollars for Z months, that the more candidates that they delivered to those employers, the smaller the profit margin was for the job board because the job board had costs to generate that additional traffic. And by shifting it to a pay-per-click model, what the job board was able to do was to scale that up. If you pay us $1,000, we can deliver 10 times the number of tra- the amount of traffic to you as if you pay us $100. If you pay us $10,000, we can 10X it again. So just by paying more, they could deliver more traffic. And that's what we did. So we created a product back in 2016 called Jobs That Scale. And it is a pay-per-click job posting product where um, over the years it's it's evolved into being a subscription-based product where the vast majority of our customers, they sign up and it runs month after month after month until they tell us to stop. Um, about 95, 96% renew month after month after month after month. So it's driven really great growth for us. And it much better aligns our interests with those of the customer. Because if if we perform, we get paid well. If we don't perform, we don't get paid. And so it's really in our interest, not just to run the ad on kind of that post and pray model that most people hate, um, unless you're unless you're the job board getting paid. Um, but um, but you know, if 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 the employer succeeds, we succeed. And if we don't deliver good value to the employer, then we're penalized for that. And I think that's how how it should be. Well, that leads to the question of: Is it that way in a lot of other places, or in other places at all? I mean, how unique is this in among job boards? It is not unique with the big general sites. Just about any big general site that you can think of is at least in part um, selling on a pay-per-click basis. So you think of the ZipRecruiters, the Indeeds, the the Monsters, um, a fair number, LinkedIn, a fair number of their employer customers, and sometimes completely, are paying on a pay-per-click basis. What was, we think, at the time in 2016 unique was for us as a niche job board to have migrated our customers from the traditional duration-based model to a performance-based model. We think we were the first niche job board in the world to have done that. There were other niche job boards that were selling on a pay-per-click basis, but as far as we could see, they always had been. Um, It's one thing to start off that way. Um, You sort of um, only have customers that are oriented to buying that way. But when you need, but when you have customers that are used to buying on a traditional duration basis, and you have to educate them about why it's better um, to to buy on a pay per click basis, that that has a whole lot of challenges. What also, what was also really interesting to us, quite surprising, was how different the skill set of our employees needed to be. Um, critical thinking skills and ability to really see math, to see numbers. And to see at a glance, is this profitable? Is this not profitable? Is there a problem with this campaign? Is this campaign succeeding? And just to see those at a glance, that was a whole different skill set that uh, 
that we found we needed. And the people that we have now have that. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Um, so you, you started this in 2016 and it was last year, 2021, that you expanded it internationally. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what did that involve? Yeah. Well, remember, you know, a couple of minutes ago, I was saying that in 2016, we had a really small number of customers that were saying, hey, you're helping us with, you know, these all you can eat packages. If we paid you more money, could you also help us, you know, by driving more candidates or could you help us in, um, in this way? The same sort of thing started to happen a couple of years ago. We had, um, again, a small number of customers that completely unrelated to us were centralizing their recruitment marketing budgets. Recruitment marketing in most organizations used to be highly decentralized. You'd have a very small budget at the headquarters level. And if you were a big box retailer, each store manager would have his own budget. And he might run ads in a newspaper or put up flyers outside the store or whatever. And recruitment advertising was highly local. What started to happen not many years ago was you started to have more and more employment branding people hired into these large organizations. And you started to have the um, more of the programmatic vendors really emerging and uh, gaining popularity. So the, the Jovios, the Pando Logics, Perengo, which became Radency's product, Appcast, et cetera, really started to emerge. And that, I think, fueled the growth where more and more of that recruitment advertising spend moved from the store level to the headquarters and even to the global headquarters. So suddenly a couple years ago, some of our customers that we had been working with for years, whose budgets were at best national and often regional, started to say, hey, my area now controls the recruitment advertising spend globally. You're helping us in the US. Can you also help us in Canada? Can you also help us in the UK? And again, thanks to Guy Kawasaki, my attitude was if a customer is asking if you can help them give you money, you want to find a way of saying yes to that. So we started to accept postings that for jobs that were located outside the U.S. Um, and we made some bad mistakes. Uh, like one bad mistake we made was thinking that we could do all of that in U.S. dollars. And that proved absolutely not to be the case. Um, what we're migrating to very quickly is if you're running postings with us in the United Kingdom, you are paying us in British pounds sterling. If you are running postings with us in Canada, you're paying us in Canadian dollars. If you're running postings with us in 
Australia, you're paying us in Australian dollars. And, and the reason for that is that still those organizations, if they are spending money with you in Australia, they tend to want those the budgets to be coming out of Australia. So they're, so they're, it's, it, they're denominating Australian dollars. It adds some risk and it adds a lot of complexity um, on, on our end, but it's really helping us scale. I've got one more question for you, which actually is more of a sort of market question, if you if you don't mm. mind. And you obviously are focused on college recruiting and what yeah. college students are up to. Given the pandemic and just the general you know craziness of the last two, two and a half years, have you mm. seen changes uh, not only in the way companies are recruiting, but how college students are behaving and reacting absolutely there you know two and a half years ago the idea of working remotely in just about any kind of let's call it white collar job professional job office kind of job was almost unthinkable for most people and now it's pretty much expected that it's at least going to be hybrid it might be fully remote um at College Recruiter, we've been fully remote since 1997. We were fully remote before we wanted, years before we wanted customers to know it. We pretended we weren't because the attitude back then was, oh, it's like, oh, well, if you work at home, you aren't really working. And now almost everybody understands that's that's far from the truth. In fact, most people are a lot more productive at home than they are in an office environment. What's happened in the college space that sort of that the Gen Z is the typical student and recent grad is really no different from those who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, that there are certain people who are much happier working remotely. There are certain people who want to have a hybrid environment. There are certain people who want to be in office. And I think employers that are trying to put everybody into one of those boxes are going to fail. And they think they need to understand that they need to accommodate different kinds of workers in different kinds of situations. And that some weeks you might come into the office and some weeks you might not. Um, There is, I think, a bit of a difference of people who are sort of of our generation, you know, let's call it, you know, like Gen Xers and Xers, boomers, et cetera. I think more of us are comfortable and want to work from home And part of that is that most of us have a lot of experience. We don't need a lot of supervision. And we're also, most of us are past the point where we feel the need to work in an office for social purposes. We already have, you know, spouses, friends, family members, or whatever that we hang out with. But, you know, if you're a 22 year old and you just graduated and moved halfway across the country, and you're living in a city where you don't have any family or friends, you're your workplace is where you're probably going to make, make your friends and perhaps meet your spouse. And if all, when all those people are working at home, that makes it that much harder. Um, I've been watching the We Crashed um, um, series on, I think it's on Hulu, about the WeWork um, company that, that create, well, they didn't create, but they sort of popularized co-working environments. I think we're going to see a lot more of that where people can choose to go into an office, even if it's a day or two a week, and they might be there with their coworkers or they might be there with people who are working for the other organizations. But we are social creatures. We do want human contact. 
And I think that companies need to facilitate that, but not require that. Steve, thanks very much for your time today. Awesome. It's been a pleasure, Mark. My guest today has been Stephen Rothberg, the founder and chief visionary officer of College Recruiter. And this has been People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. We're a publication of Recruiting Daily. We're also a part of Evergreen Podcasts. To see all of their programs, visit www.evergreenpodcasts.com. And to keep up with HR technology, visit the HCM Technology Report every day. We're the most trusted source of news in the HR tech industry. Find us at www.hcmtechnologyreport.com. I'm Mark Pfeffer. Faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.